pray. Father, we honor you right now. We honor your presence, and we thank you for your goodness. We love you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're kicking off a new series this morning called I Can. I Can. Every week, we've got four of these uh, left in in the uh, month of January, including today. We're going to be talking about something that you can do that sometimes a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, don't know that they can do. All right? And they don't feel confident. And so this morning, I'm going to let you know, I can know the will of God. Y'all repeat that after me. I can know the will of God. Say it again like you mean it. I can know the will of God. Now, you, know, you may know that to be true theologically, but sometimes during the, during the week when you're not in church and you're not repeating something after the pastor, you don't feel like you can know the will of God, right? You kind of feel lost maybe. You kind of feel like, like I, I'm not so certain that I'm doing the right thing. Is it anyone with me? And so really quickly... I want to talk about finding the will of God for your life this morning. Now, I just, I just want to let you know, in case you are tempted to say, uh, you know, God's just going to work everything out. You know, he's just, God has a plan, and whatever happens is evidently his plan. That's not what we see in Scripture. That's actually a very lazy theology. Okay, you're going to see all throughout Scripture. I've got a couple of verses up here for you that finding the will of God is important. Look at this one. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, it's unwise of us to just not try to seek or pursue or figure out what God wants and just say, well, he'll make it happen if he wants it. That, that's not a biblical idea. That's unwise. That's very unwise. Here's another one. This is uh, Matthew seven twenty one. It says, not everyone, this is Jesus talking, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. By the way, in, in Scripture, there wasn't punctuation. They didn't have a way to italicize or bold, right? So whenever you see repetition, it, it means get louder. So you could actually read this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord. All right? When the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. In, in the book of Revelation, they're probably, what it's probably meant to represent is holy. Isn't that cool? Anyway, okay. Rabbit trails. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Okay, wow. So we're talking life and death here. We're talking eternity here. We got to know the will of God. See, we've gotten this idea that there's this like fixed will of God. And in a lot of Christian circles, um, it's, it's, you know, God is just going to do what God's going to do. And, and we're just kind of along for the ride. We just don't see that in Scripture. We have a major role to play when it comes to God's will. Now, there are times when God in his sovereignty just says, hey, I'm doing this. Boom. Not going to ask you, right? Obviously, the arrival of Jesus. The, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, he, he does things without consulting man. But on a day-to-day business, a day-to-day situation, you know, our daily business, he is looking for you to come into alignment with his will. In some areas, the manifestation of God's will is affected by people's conformity to and partnership with his will. See, just because God wants something to happen doesn't mean that it does. Now, I know that may shock some of your systems. I'm I'm letting it kind of sink in. 
And just because something happened doesn't mean that it was God's will. Okay? Um, and, and so we have these platitudes. We say things like, God is in control. Sometimes he is. God is always in charge. I would rather say that. Well, God's in charge. He is. God's in charge. God's God. I'm not. Okay? But to say that God is in control of every little thing, that means that he just willed that into existence. And I had the free will to do that. Okay? And so God has delegated control to you in areas of your life. We'll get, we'll get to a scripture in just a little bit that says it's God's will that everyone be saved. So what is the will of God? That how many be saved? Everyone. All. Is everyone saved? No. So therefore, just because God has a will for it doesn't mean it always happens. Why? Because he's waiting on us to respond. Okay? And it's the same way in your life. Here's another one that I like. And if you've said this, don't get mad at me, okay? You can still say this, but just know that it probably is not right. <laughs> Here it is. You ready? Well, Jamie, I believe everything happens for a reason. Okay? I do too because it's illogical for something to happen without causation. So I believe that too. But what a lot of people mean when they say that, they mean, well... I believe that everything is a part of this cosmic plan that God has, including all the crazy stuff. No, a lot of the stuff that it it happened for a reason, but the reason was that we made a bad choice. And we don't need to put that on God and be like, well, (laughs) everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and that reason is you were a dope. I mean, you shouldn't have done that. You made a terrible decision. So don't say, well, (laughs) must be God. He allowed it. He allowed it, but you chose it. And so we need to understand that the will of God, the, the will of God, we have a major role to play in it. Amen? Amen. Um, one, more, one more thing, if you're interested in this, this. If this is kind of messing with you, let me give you some scripture. Jeremiah 18 is one of the clearest demonstrations of, of how God interacts with people. And he's talking, um, talking to the Israelites. Verses 7, uh, actually let me just read it to you. Verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> this is the potter clay illustration you've heard. As a matter of fact, we'll start at five. It says, the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, cannot not do to you as the potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. See, we usually stop there and we think, see, there it is, Jamie. God causes everything and does everything. And if it happened, it was him, the potter and the clay. You've got to keep reading. The next verse, if I announce... That a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed. But then that nation renounces its evil ways. I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce, this is uh, verse 9. If I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom. But then that nation turns turns to evil and refuses to obey me. I will not bless it as I said I would. So who's making the decision as to whether or not a nation gets blessed by God? The nation. The nation, he's like, I'm subcontracting out to you whether or not you agree with my will. I want to bless you. But if you turn from my ways, I'm going to turn from my blessing. So God puts the nation in the driver's seat. Well, God doesn't deal with nations anymore. He deals with individuals now. Right? There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. So God, because of Jesus, comes to you as an individual. And he says, will you come into alignment with my will? 
He goes, if you will, then you will receive the blessing that we see in Scripture. But if you don't come into alignment with his will, then you won't receive the blessing. Does God hate you? No. You have the same opportunity to choose life that everyone else does. You have the same opportunity to partner with his will that everyone else does. So are you going to do it? It's up to you. It's totally up to you whether or not you choose the will of God. So let's, let's get into it real quick. God's will can be separated into two types. First of all, there's God's general will for all people. And then there's God's specific will for you individually. So God has a general will for everyone. And God has a specific will for you. Okay? Now let's break those out. So God's general will for all is revealed by his written word. If you want to know what God's will is for everyone, the human race, all Christians, all believers, everyone that's ever been born, is born, or will be born, you look to the Word. You look to Scripture, okay? Um, You can see in Scripture, the written Word, it reveals God's general attitude towards people. Jeremiah 29, 11, the context is he's talking to the Jews that have been in Babylonian exile. They're going through a really hard time. He says, I know the plans I have. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Good thoughts. God has good thoughts. And even though he's talking specifically to the Jews in exile, we can, we can understand that the character of, the God has, the character of God has remained unchanged. And we can assume that his thoughts are the same towards us as well. 2 Peter 3.9 is the verse I already mentioned that says, God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish or be destroyed, but he wants all to come to eternal life. That's his will towards all. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God is love. God has a loving, um, loving disposition towards everyone. Love does what's best for the other person. And so, so God has sent Jesus for everyone to, 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 to align with his salvation, to agree and to partner with salvation through Jesus. So we can see God's general attitude towards people, but we can also see the house rules. Now, I don't know about you, but at my house, there are rules that everyone has to abide by, right? We, we don't let some kids, some of our children do one thing, and while others of our children do We do in certain areas, but in the house rules, everyone has to obey. We, we like to have family breakfast on, on school week, okay? So we get everyone up. You know, we drag them out of bed. I literally do that sometimes. I usually play some Christian hard rock really loud all throughout the house just to annoy them. They finally get up and they get ready. We're down around 7, a little after 7. We have breakfast. We do a devotional together. Okay? House rule. Everyone's there. Unless you're sick or you're, you're, you're you're off for some reason. You're not in the house. You're there. No exceptions. Because it, Right? And so that's a, that's, a, that's a house rule for us. We do that together as a family. Well, you can find in Scripture the house rules for all people. I'm not going to turn to all these. You can write these down or take a picture or whatever. But these are some of the house rules about the will of God, and all these specifically reference the will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God. For who? For everyone. Well, I don't need to give thanks, Jamie, because I've been through so much, and me and the Lord have an understanding that I don't need to be thankful. Well, that's not true. That's just not true. I don't have to pray about it. 
or anything because the word has already revealed God's general real, uh, will for everyone. Do, do you see how that works? Okay, so you, you are instructed to be thankful. You're not the exception to that. Here's another one, 1 Peter 2.15. Do good, live your, do good works so that people can't accuse you. Live your life in such a way that if someone brings a reviling accusation against you, everyone is like, what are you talking about? That guy's great. That, that's the will of God. It says specifically, that's the will of God. For who? For you, every single one of us. They're house, they're house rules. You don't get an exemption from that. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, be holy. Be holy, be set apart unto God. It's a house rule. Well, you know, Jamie, I know I'm saved, but I don't believe I'm called to be holy. I don't, I don't need to look like Jesus or act like Jesus. I don't, need to, I don't need to engage a process of spiritual growth. I'm just not into that so much. I'll do it when I'm in heaven one day. <laughs> no, you're not the exception. Nope, nope. It's, house, it's a house rule. Everyone, when you get saved, are put on a path of spiritual growth. And you don't get to get off that path just because you don't feel like it. Right? So we all, we, there's all there, there are house rules. The will of God is revealed. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the summation of all the Old Testament, all of the law and the prophets. And it's a house rule for everyone. And none of us are the exception. We all have to love God and love people. So, so you see the written word reveals God's general will for everyone. And we can see not only his general attitude towards people, but the house rules for all people. All right, got it? Here's the other part. And this is what most people are interested in. God's specific will for you is revealed by his spirit. So you can't turn to the written word. You can't turn anywhere in the Bible and, and it's not going to say, Jamie, you need to marry Tiffany. That's, that's not in there. You won't find it anywhere. You will find the house rules of how husbands treat wives and how wives treat, treat husbands. You, you will find the general rules of don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Okay, so I shouldn't marry an unbeliever. Okay, that's a house rule. But specifically, who should I marry is not in Scripture. Where I should work. What, what car should I buy? None of these things are in Scripture. That would be awesome. It'd be a long book. If it had everyone's individual will in there. I wish we all had our own little books of the Bible. First Jamie, second Jamie. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. But that's not how it works. Why? Because God wants relationship with you. He wants you to partner with his Holy Spirit and find out the specific will for you. So here's the first thing you need to know about God's specific will for you. is First of all, it can't be discerned through your natural senses. It cannot be discerned or ascertained. You can't learn God's will, specific will for your life, through your senses. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2. This is kind of a, a long passage here. It says, uh, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now your eyes, your ears, your thoughts, these are all your natural ability, right? But it was to us, this is the Apostle Paul talking about himself. He, he's, he's, just some context real quick. He's, 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 he's talking about how he knows the truth about uh, the gospel message, okay? 
It was to us that God revealed these things, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So who knows God's thoughts? Holy Spirit. Okay? Guess, guess what? If you're a believer, where's the Holy Spirit? So who can now know God's thoughts? You, as long as you're engaging the Holy Spirit, not your natural senses. We'll, we'll, look, we'll keep reading. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who are not spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Okay? So you're, you're, you need to make a decision in your life. There's, you're at a major crossroads, and it's time to make a decision. All right? You can make a, a, a natural, uh, using your senses decision, well, this job pays the most money. Well, this uh, spouse, uh, you know, um, looks the best to me. Or will this, so you can, you can use natural uh, choices. You can make it through natural means or you can listen to the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God. Does that make sense? And so as you, as, as you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, you will discern God's will spiritually. Now, often the spiritual will of God doesn't make sense to your natural senses, right? Have you ever done something? You're like, this is crazy, but I know it's God. I have. I have. I'm like, this is nuts. But I'm doing it. Because, because there's two different, two different input systems. One's natural only and temporary and is broken and doesn't work to, all the time. One is spiritual. It's eternal. And it's the very thought of God. So, it, so the, will, your, the personal will of God for your life, it can't be discerned through natural means. Quit trying to do that. Quit trying to figure it out. You've got to go to you got to go to him, which leads us to our next thing you need to know, is that you'll know the will of God when you embrace a relationship with God. You'll know the will of God for you specifically when you embrace a relationship with God. You know, you don't have to have a relationship with God to know the general will of God for all people. It's written down. Right? I mean, our country's had the Ten Commandments posted in government buildings for a long time. But so many unsaved people can see this is the will of God for humanity, and they don't even have a relationship with God. But if they want, they want specific instructions on God's will for them, you've got to know God. Matthew 6, 33, it's at the end of, this, of, of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is saying, look, don't worry about what you eat, you know, what you drink, how you dress. Don't store up a bunch of stuff for yourself here on earth. It's just temporary. It's going to rot and rust anyway. Someone may take it from you. And then he caps off that whole sermon. He says, look, if you want to know what to seek and pursue, seek first the kingdom of God. God's will, God's way of doing things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, being right before God. And then all these things, what you wear, what you drink, what you eat, where you go, who you marry, they'll be added to you. See, God's a giver. He wants to give. But when we provide for ourselves... He can't give, can he? So you'll know the will of God when you embrace a relationship 
with God. You know this to be true. Y'all know, again, Tiffany and I have been married for 18 years now. 18 wonderful years, which is awesome. It's great. She's wonderful. When we go to a restaurant, even a restaurant we've never been to before, I can order for her. I know the kind of food she eats. It's probably going to be some sort of salmon and leafy green stuff. All right? If she wants to order for me, she just needs to figure out what has the most calories. And then she'll know that this is the will of Jamie. Okay? So I can order for Tiff. Am I Tiff? I'm not. But because of my relationship, sustained relationship over time, I know her will. And it's the same with you. You've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've got to have a relationship with God. And then you will know his will. You may be thinking about this and say, okay, it makes sense. The general will, specific will, word, spirit. Got it. But unfortunately, I've spent most of my life screwing this up. (laughs) Missing the will of God. So what happens now? There's really good news for you. And by the way, that's all of us. Really good news. If you've missed God's will, embrace rerouting. I love GPS, right? I love GPS. It's, it's great. Uh, at the, the leadership uh, summit that we had yesterday, um, the place we stayed, you could not get there by GPS. Uh, one poor soul tried to use GPS, and they like, ended up like, you know, like on a tree somewhere. It, it, like, it's, it's not, <laughs> it didn't work, okay? But I love GPS uh, when I'm driving out of town where I can know, you know, someone's like, starts giving me directions. I'm like, just stop. Tell me the address. Put it in. I don't want your directions. You turn right, there'll be a dog out there by the flag. No, just give me the address. Okay? The cool thing is, sometimes, even while following GPS, even while trying my best to follow the little screen, it says, turn right in 300 feet. And then there's like a little road right before that. I'm like, oh, wait, that was it. You know, slam on brakes and turn. I'm like, oh, that was the wrong place. You know what's so cool? You know what GPS will do? It'll say, rerouting. Okay, bonehead. That was obviously not it. Uh, That's someone's driveway. Uh, But tell you what, we're going to show you how to get out anyway. That's that's what the will of God is like, y'all. Look, it's not that he wants you to make mistakes and turn down the wrong drive. But it's just that when you do, he's still there. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you because you make a mistake. Check this out. This is Isaiah 55. Now, just for some context here, Isaiah had spent the beginning part of of, uh, the book, just God had spent the beginning part of the book through Isaiah, just kind of really getting on the Israelites. And then he changes his tune and says, hey, I'm going to save you anyway. All right? And so he lays out in in, uh, chapter 53 about the Messiah coming. We now know that it was Jesus because he fulfills all these prophecies. And, and then he takes a break from telling you what he's going to do, and he starts kind of he starts kind of bragging on himself, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm pretty awesome, aren't I? I really should wipe you out, but I'm not. I'm I'm cool." And he gives us these instructions about when the Messiah comes, and these are instructions to everyone because it's in the Word. It's the general will for everyone. He goes, "Seek the Lord while you can find Him. He's available to everyone. He's available to you this morning." Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. 
Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. You know, we need to turn. We call them U-turns in traffic. Scripture actually calls it in the New Testament repentance. Where, you, where you're going in one direction and you turn. And this is what the scripture is saying. He's like, look, the Messiah is coming. When this Messiah comes, there's going to be a window. There's going to be an opportunity to know God. Look, you're going to have to turn to align with his direction. And it's still the same. If you've missed the will of God, if you didn't know, maybe you had never read the word, you didn't know there's a general will for everyone. Maybe you'd never learned how to hear the voice of God and how to listen to the Spirit, and you made some bad choices. There's really good news for you. God allows U-turns. You ever seen those where you can turn, but it's got the no U-turn sign? There's none of those in the kingdom. None of those. You can always do a U-turn. You can always change your direction. You can always get right with God and embrace his rerouting. So my question to you this morning is this. Are you studying God's word and learning how to hear God's voice so that you can know God's will? Are you studying his word for the general will? Are you learning to hear his voice for the specific will so that you can know what he wants for your life? Let's stand for prayer.